Did you know that there are over 65 million Gen Xers, yet so few financial advisors focus on Gen X? Why? It's because you aren't rich. Yet. Welcome to the Gen X Money Advisor with Michael Labus, certified financial planner, certified college funding specialist, and founder of Gen X Wealth Partners. This podcast focuses on the specific needs of Gen Xers by a Gen Xer. Get ready to explore topics that will help you get your retirement on track, maximize your dollar towards your child's education, and successfully manage aging parents. We will even sprinkle in a little health and wellness, travel and leisure, and time and stress management. Come and experience the expertise of Michael and his special guests who focus on enhancing the quality of your life today and in the future. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Gen X Money Advisor. And today we are excited to have Yvonne Mendrin, owner and founder of Optometry Wealth Advisors out in California. And excited to have him on here today to talk about the power of working with a niche advisor. So welcome to the show, Yvonne. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. I'm excited to have you on the show here today, Yvonne, to talk about how you came up with the idea to start Optometry Wealth Advisors. So why don't you just give us a little background on your career? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been in this profession for about eight years now. Um, started out in one of those big financial entities that most people are familiar with. Spent a couple of years there and learned pretty quickly that that was not the uh, business model I wanted to work in. It was more about selling their financial products instead of providing good financial advice. And so after a couple of years left there, uh, joined a really awesome financial planning firm here in Central California, uh, spent five years there learning from and working with just a, a great team there before finally deciding to uh, leave that job and open up a financial planning firm of my own and uh, specializing in optometry. And so here we are now, a proud owner of Optometry Wealth Advisors. So what was what was the one thing that said you said to yourself, this is it, I have to do this by myself? What was the trigger? Because I know yeah. what my trigger was. What was your what was your trigger? I've always felt like in my brain, like since since I first started that I wanted to build something of my own. Like I, I wanted to build it the way I wanted to do it. Uh, so that was always in my mind. And even working at the the financial planning firm as 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 great of an experience as that was, that was always in the back of my mind. Like, I want to do things differently. I want to do it in my own my own vision, in my own way, and uh, and I wanted to do it much differently than I saw was being done, even in a uh, that great firm. And so, talking more and more with my peers, and you know, hearing about their experiences, like I just kept coming back to like, man, I really want to start this and do it in my own way. And eventually it just came time to, uh, you know, the comfort level of my wife and, and being financially prepared enough to where it made sense to where we finally said, okay, like, let's, let's do this. Like I, I have this vision. I, I know what I want to do. Uh, let's do this. And so we just took the leap. Taking the leap. Yes. It's a big one, but it's yeah. an important one, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you don't have any regrets, right? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Not at um, all. So, uh, beyond taking the leap, and, and I want to talk to you about you know the optometry specialization, yeah. but were there interests uh, that you other interests that you considered, or how did you settle on on optometry? Yeah, I um, 
you know, why optometry? I, I guess it really just started with a fascination. Like I, I wish I had a better origin story. Like I, I'm not related to optometrist. I never witnessed an optometrist being wronged. Like I, I really just started with a fascination and I, I always knew I wanted to work with one particular group of people really well. Like I, I knew I didn't want to try to be all things to everybody. Uh, and I was always interested in professional service businesses. And so uh, I thought about this for a long time. And the more I uh, talked to optometrists, the more I learned about the profession and their businesses, the more I read about, listened to about, uh, just the more research I did, the more interested I became. And, and I thought to myself, okay, this is a group of people that uh, I'm fascinated enough that I can work with them day in, day out. Um, and I felt like they were underserved as a profession. And so I just, uh, I felt like it was a good match and I felt like I can provide some value to, to them as an advisor. And so I, I dove all in. That's a good point. Underserved. There's so many underserved um, demographics out yeah. there. And there's, I don't think there's enough advisors that take advantage of that. So speaking of, of underserved, what, what are their challenges? Why, why do they need someone like yourself dedicated to them? Yeah, I, I think number one, there's just a general sense or feeling that like their time and energy is spent in their profession, working with patients, becoming a better practitioner. If they've owned a practice, it's it's growing and managing and working in the practice. And then whatever time and energy is left over is with their family. So I think they there's sort of a general sense, at least the people that work with me that end up deciding to to get into that relationship. It's that they know that's where their time and energy is spent. They know that's what they're best at. And they have all this financial stuff that's happening. And they just want someone to help them make the right decisions and to know that they're on track or, or seeing some progress in some way. And I think when you get underneath that, okay, what are the actual topics? Um, student loan is a big one for, for almost all of them. And the level of that depends on where they're at in their career, but especially earlier in their career, um, there's a really high cost of education to get through and out of optometry school. And, and so uh, you're seeing optometrists with well over $200,000 of student debt not including what their spouse has. And so um, managing, making the right decision with student loans and, and other debt, practice debt, the mortgage is, is important to them. Taxes, I think, is is something that's important to almost every optometrist and probably everyone, really, any any client of ours is going to feel that. But uh, a line I hear over and over and over again is, my accountant's great, they're great, but they only tell me what happened last year. Like there, there's no sense of proactively planning around taxes, uh, proactively seeing how the tax year would shape up, proactively like it, there's a sense of they have to rush at tax time or rush in December to try to figure out what to do and, and there's no sense of a proactive plan. So that sense around uh, managing taxes better is important to almost all of them. Um, understanding the, if for those who are practice owners, understanding what their financials are telling them, like what's what's happening in their in their business from a financial standpoint you know it's it, it it's not their fault that they're they're unaware of that sometimes because they go to school for optometry and they're not really taught practice management or, or financial statement analysis so just helping them understand that a little bit better and understand how cash flow moves through their business and then into their household and and what to do with it once it gets to their household so really just kind of understanding okay what happens in their practice and how does it affect their their household finances and, and vice versa. I think those are some of the, the biggest challenges. And, and I think this, uh, one more thing I'll say is, I think this is probably applies to everybody too, but it's just having a sense of someone is looking and monitoring their finances ongoing so that they can focus on the, the stuff they're best at and, and important to them. 
I totally agree. I do. I mean, you just nailed the, the head on the uh, nail there. Question here. So, yeah. you know, in terms of those challenges that you just mentioned, and specifically uh, looking at the student loan issue, because that, that's across the board. How are you able to help them? What, what can you provide uh, in terms of helping them reduce that burden? Yeah, I mean, it, it starts with knowing, I guess, sort of knowing their career trajectory and knowing where their income levels are at and knowing what student loan strategies probably apply to them more than teachers or, or any other profession. Um, because a lot of times student loan strategy is driven by income or, or mm-hmm. potential income. And, and of course, there's a lot of other stuff, family size, um, future career goals, whether they want to start a practice. But so a lot of it is determined by their career decisions and, and what their income trajectory is going to be. And so knowing how their career and, and some of the career decisions and how they'll play out is important to figuring out, okay, I know how I'm going to approach the student loan decision. And that's one thing, just, just from that student loan part. And I, I think about even myself as a general practitioner, like I, I didn't know anything about student loans back in the day when I was working with everybody. Um, and it's overly complicated and unreasonably complicated. And I, I think, think that's by design. May, yeah, probably. I mean, it's unreasonably complicated and it's not like traditional debt planning. And uh, me as, a, as a, an advisor in the past working with as a generalist, like I had no clue what to do with them until I really started digging in and getting that knowledge and experience. You know, that's, that's what comes with working with a specific group of people is you dive into that, those topics, those issues that are important to them. And, uh, and you're able to learn more and, and provide better advice because of it. Without a doubt. So uh, not to put you on the spot here, but I mean, how much money can you can have, or have you saved your clients over time? I mean, it, just to give an idea for people, the impact that you're making. Uh, I don't have, I don't have a number to, to be honest with you. Um, what I'll say, I guess, is that one thing that comes with that is a sense of clarity around knowing what to do with it. Sure. You can plan around it. Yeah. Yeah. I had a conversation recently with with someone who, you know, they, they didn't really have a clear plan when they graduated. And, and so they're just sort of switching from payment plan to payment plan. And there was never, you know, several years later that you don't see much progress in the student loans. And there's a lot of frustration that's involved with that. I mean, when you're, you're not seeing much progress in tackling those loans. And so having a plan as early as possible is, is so, and, and sort of clarity, um, I, I think is, is one of the biggest benefits of that. So let me ask you this question. Uh, when you were about to make the leap of faith, did people think you're crazy? I mean, how many optometrists are in central California, Yvonne? Isn't your scope pretty small there? That is a great question, and it depends who you talk to. So, friends and family <laughs> who uh, either aren't in finance or or don't own businesses, yeah, they're like, "Why would you work with optometrists? You know what? What are you doing?" Uh, so, you know, even probably my old coworkers probably would wonder, like, "Why would you focus on that?" But most of the the other advice, like financial advisors that I work with, like they sense they've heard enough of of niching down and specializing, like they're doing it themselves. So, a lot of the other uh, my peers, you know, you uh, you understand that. So a lot of my peers now are, are get it. They they get the power of specializing. What what was your other question? Oh no, just you know, people thought you're crazy because I got a lot of people peers of mine 
They didn't say I was crazy. They were like, really? You're really going to do that? Okay. Yeah. All right. Good luck so with that. So one other thing you mentioned was geography. Well, it's yeah. it's not really about how many optometrists are here in the Central Valley of California. It's how many optometrists are in the United States. Oh, without, yeah. So it's, I get it's, that too, yeah. I mean, you open yourself up to you know, anyone who's searching for an advisor for their particular situation, it doesn't matter where, where the geography is for a lot of them now. It's just, can they solve my problems? And I've seen that yeah. with optometrists. Um, most of my clients are not in California. That's you know, awesome. So that's, that's just what, what happens when you're able to, to serve a group of people. Geography really doesn't matter. It's really about, well, can you f- solve their needs? I 100% agree with that. It's not about just where you live. Uh, it's about having a national client base. Yeah. So this is a question that I get a lot because uh, this is one of the reasons why my clients, or not my clients, my uh, peers thought I was a little nuts going niche. What do you do with a client or a prospect that's not part of your niche? How do you handle that scenario? This is easy. Uh, there are so many great advisors working with all different types of people. It is so easy to refer them to someone else. I mean, it's, uh, I either know people who work, you know, whoever that person is, I either know someone who works with that type of person really well, or I can ask around to my peers and find someone really quickly, you know, or I can send them to like uh, NAPFA, National Association of uh, Personal Financial Advisors, or the XY Planning Network. Like there's, there's associations you can send people to to search for someone. But there's so many great advisors doing great work for for all types of people, it's really easy to refer them on to, to someone else. And, and I can be confident that they'll be taken care of. I think that's the power of being niche, recognizing that we come from a position of, of there's enough fish in the sea. We're not, to, to illustrate that, five years ago, if, if you said that I was going to be hosting a podcast talking to another advisor about their business, yeah, they I would say, no, why would I do that? He's a competitor. He's you know, why would I share ideas with him? That makes no sense. Yeah. But that's the opposite of what you should be thinking, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, we it's can that, share ideas. It's that abundance mentality. And, you know, it, it just sort of in, in turn, internally in the profession, like we, it, that moves us towards being a more established real profession. It's, it's, yeah. it's not about competition. It's about Correct. collaboration and learning from one another. Without a doubt. You know, my peers are like, so someone came to you with this much money and this is their scenario. You would not take them on as a client. I, I said, you know, most likely I would not. And they look at me perplexed. Yes. Yes. They gave me this like dumbfounded look. And I said, well, you know, think about that. That's the power of being niche. Yes. I don't only want to work with my niche because what we focus on on a daily basis is very specialized, but we know it. Yeah. And then you're going to get, get that experience, you know, as the client. So I, I want to segue here to talk about, you know, our similarities of both being niche and, you know, how that has uh, improved our practices. So how long have you been working by yourself? Uh, it's about a year now. Year now. Okay. Yep. So over the past year, comparing your, your overall satisfaction with the job, your client satisfaction versus your previous uh, position, how would you compare the two? Satisfaction is, I mean, I, I was pretty happy working in my other firm. I think the the frustration really that I felt was more about like I really wanted to build this business in my own image. Like, yeah. So now that I'm doing that, the, the satisfaction has gone up. Like I, I feel much better about my work. 
um, fl flexibility in, in doing things the way I want, making changes in the practice really quickly if I want to. Yeah. Um, That's nice, right? Yeah. You want to try a new idea, portfolio, yeah. uh, marketing, an event. You, we make all the decisions and there's, there's pros and cons with that, but you know, having total ownership and control, I, yeah. I think that's a big bonus. And I know that my clients you know, appreciate the specialization and focus that I have on needs that are specific to them because you can't be the master of all domains. You can't, you can't. do everything. And if you say you, you do, then you're just lying to yourself and your clients. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even internally, like feedback from one client, like, you know, applies to most, if not all of your other clients. So like you can make changes in the way you do things in the practice based on that feedback knowing like, okay, this will benefit all of my other clients. If I, um, and, and that's the same thing with like researching something for one client, like, you know, that experience, that research will apply to most, if not all of your other clients without a doubt, without a doubt. And I, I just remember times where I'd research something for one client knowing I'd never use it ever again, you know, and then like how much time and energy is wasted on, on that type of effort of researching someone, something, spending a lot of time looking at something for one person, knowing it will never apply to anyone else. And so you, you get some internal efficiencies and, and I think the patient ex or the client experience gets better because you're, you're getting feedback from one or, or a few of your clients that you know will apply to, to most, if not all of your others. Without a doubt, without a doubt. You don't mind doing that research because you know it just goes in the knowledge bank, right? Yeah. You can bring it out because you know it's going to happen again because you're dealing with a specific group of people. Yep. And another thing that we have in common, Yvonne, is that we're both certified financial planners and uh, you hold the student loan uh, professional yep. designation, right? Yep. And I hold the certified college funding specialist designation. So even though that we're both have different niches, um, we both have CFP, we both have an education, we'll call it uh, designation. You help your uh, niche pay off loans with my niche being Gen X, I'm trying to help them pay or, or figure out how to fund their kids' education. Yeah. Um, and, and another thing that's interesting, I don't have any optometrists as clients. I'm, I'm not anti-optometrist. I just haven't had a, the opportunity to work with one yet. Yeah. But I'm sure that you have some Gen X clients, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's just interesting that there is, there's always going to be some overlap, but that's the power of being niche is you can, you know, if there's a situation that you can't handle, just delegate to somebody other advisor. Yeah. I, I always joke with people about you go to a doctor and let's say you have a, your PCP doctor, you go for your physical. He says, well, Mike, you know, you've got this issue with your foot and they send you it to a podiatrist who is a doctor who specializes in a niche, right? I find it hard to believe that a lot of people don't research for niche advisors. A lot of people work with general practitioners who, you know, try to be the jack of all trades. And I think they're missing out on opportunities. So, uh, you know, speaking of missed opportunities, is there a story that you could add to this discussion about how your specialization really helped a particular individual? Yeah, I think... I think back to one of my, actually one of my earlier clients, um, and they are, they do own a practice. They were practicing maybe for about 10 years now. And, 
one of the biggest things he was feeling is that was that same line of of taxes like okay my I, I'm only being told what's happening last year. I don't really have, it's like pulling teeth to try to get it a, a projection done. Uh, I feel like I'm rushing at tax time to try to do stuff. Like how do I work more proactively around taxes and, and really just about finances overall. So um, understanding how their practice worked and and the structure of their entity and, and how that affects the, the household. Like we were able to start to plan around that. So just started with basic understanding of what what does their practice look like from a, um, in a structure and a financial standpoint. But then you start to dig in and there's there's uh, frustrations about, you know, feeling like there's not enough cash in their life. Like they're, they're tight, everything's tied up in retirement accounts. So then you can start to talk about cash flow in the practice and building cash buffers there and in the household. So you, if you have a good understanding of how that business works, you can speak better to that. Uh, and I think one of the funnest part of that conversation is are things that I actually refer them for. Cause you, you start to talk to that person about the frustrations in their business. Cause all, all of our financial stuff, the things we work with are, I feel like are really life decisions wrapped up, you know, it's financial conversations wrapped up in life decisions. And so you start to talk to them about their, their business and their frustrations about it and how it's affecting their life that, they feel like they can't get out of it and take vacations because they'll lose money because they're not working in the practice. So you, you start to get these frustrations. And me, I, I've had enough conversations with other doctors. I've, I've listened to enough conversations about practice management. I've heard enough co- uh, consultants talk about these things to where I can say, I've heard this before. You know, I've heard this before. I've heard how other people have handled it and I know what's possible. Now, I'm not a practice consultant. I'll never pretend to be, but I can at least tell that person, here's some things I've heard, uh, how they've solved it, what's possible, but here are some people you really need to talk to about these things because I've, I've gotten to know resources of practice consultants and bookkeepers for your specific situation that can help you out. So just to being able to sort of get those frustrations out of their head, being able to talk to that in a way that's educated, I guess, and, and to be able to guide them on where to go. I, I think that's been a, um, a pretty big benefit. I'd say, um, you're definitely not going to get that perspective from a general practitioner. And, and I'm not trying to rag on general practitioners, but I think as a consumer out there, I think there's definite power of working with a niche advisor. Yeah. And, and this, this leads me to my financial tip of the week, which is to shop and vet any potential financial advisor that you're going to work with. I think understanding who you're talking to and their experience can, you know, really help find, help you find the right advisor. And there's a couple ways that you can do that. Actually a few. Uh, one is you can go to advisorinfo.sec.gov. You can, there you can research an advisor. You could also go to FINRA, F-I-N-R-A dot org and use their broker check tool, which will give you all their licenses, their experience, their work history, any disclosures about their backgrounds. And you could go to cfp.net to find a local certified financial planner like Yvonne or myself. I think if you use these tools, you have a better idea of who you're working with. And if you're working with the right advisor, don't just go to an advisor based upon a recommendation, do your own homework. And I think there's lots of value to be had there. So 
that is the financial tip of the week. So real quick here, Yvonne, uh, let's talk about the future. So where do you see your practice going in the next uh, few years and then you know, long-term? Yeah, that's um, something I've been thinking about. I'd, I want to have a, a entity larger than myself. Um, I have no... I don't have a goal of staying solo. Like I, I'm thinking about somewhere between three to five advisors. Um, and I guess I don't know exactly what the future holds, but that's that's sort of what's on my mind. And the reasons why are, you know, I want to have a bigger impact in the optometry profession. So that's it's just going to require a, a little bit of a bigger business. Um, I also want to have a place for future advisors to be able to learn and grow in. That's that's a good advice-driven business model. So that's that's another thing on my mind. And I don't want the business to rely on me entirely. Like to me, freedom is knowing that there's a team uh, behind me that's able to keep the the service going, um, so that I can step away when needed. And and uh, and so I I definitely want to take a team approach. I, I would agree with that. I mean, we only have so much time and capacity yeah. to work with clients, and uh, we all have that number in our head of how many clients we could handle. And if we get to that point, it's going to require growth. Yeah. Uh, so that makes sense. And to bring on uh, people in a in a, an environment where you can foster their growth and have more scope to work with more optometrists, I think that's, I think that, I mean that's very that mirrors my idea as well. Yeah. I want to work with as many uh, Gen Xers as I can, but there's millions of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I can't handle so many. Yep. But no. So and even though that we have different niches. And different backgrounds. Uh, what we're doing, Yvonne, is is very similar. I think uh, our approach, uh, understanding the, the specifics of, of a niche that you know a lot of other advisors, like I wouldn't know what to specifically do with an optometrist. I would know you know the basic uh, elements of financial planning, but I wouldn't know how to you know look at their practice and and from that information extract some value and. You know, with Gen X, there might be some things that you, know, you could help them with, but there might be some avenues where, where you're like, I'm not, you know, 100% certain on this. So yeah, that's the power of niche. And like you said earlier, we come from a position of abundance. I'm not competing with you. You're not competing with me. We can share ideas and it's a, it's a good discussion, right? Yeah. Um, so for the listeners out there, I, I hope that you gathered some insight as to, you know, how Yvonne helps optometrists. Uh, as well as the power of working with a niche advisor. And Yvonne, if people wanted to connect with you for those optometrists out there, how could they do so? Yeah, you can find me on my podcast, the Optometry Monday podcast, playing anywhere you get your podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn, pretty active on there. You can also check out my website, optometrywealth.com and um, learn a little bit more about me and my background and, and my firm. Very good, Yvonne. You know what? I'm going to share that information with my optometrist. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. And as always, you can find me, the Gen X Money Advisor, on your podcast servers, as well as at genxwealthpartners.com. And I encourage you all to subscribe and not to miss out on another episode because we try to share a lot of good information. So Yvonne, thank you for coming on the show here today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks a lot.
Thank you for listening to the Gen X Money Advisor podcast. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Gen X Wealth Partners. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, Kestra IS, member FNRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC, Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Gen X Wealth Partners is not affiliated with Kestra IS or Kestra AS.